0: Good morning everybody and welcome, you're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88 Which is positively different radio right across Australia And you're with Lyle and...
1: Mon, good morning and how are you today?
0: I am awesome and I hope that everybody, everybody you all who are listening You are having an awesome day as well because it's morning time and it's fresh And a new day is starting and amazing things are going to happen
1: Mornings are always such good, promising times to start a day off.
0: They are indeed. And of course, you need to remember that you are listening to the delayed broadcast. So if you want to listen to us live, then you're going to need to listen to us via faithfm.com.au or by using the TuneIn app, which is such a better option anyway.
1: Mm, they're both very simple to do. Just jump on faithfm.com.au and press play on the live stream yep. or just download the TuneIn app. It's called TuneIn and it's free to download and just search for Faith FM Australia and you can listen to both of them anywhere you go around the world.
0: And you get a great signal all over the place.
1: Yep. No more around at all. So wait, just... where do we
0: have people listening to us now?
1: We have people all over the planet, India, South Africa, the UK, the US, all over Australia. We've
0: got the continents covered.
1: Yeah, we got it sorted, we do.
0: Throughout the South Pacific even, we have people listening to us, so yeah, and jump much, on there.
1: It's a much better option because when you listen to us live, you can actually join in the show because we do giveaways, we have the quiz where you can win the prize, you can ask the question of the day. It's a fabulous way to join in the show. So this is a delayed broadcast, so we already know what's happened. We know the answer to the quiz because it's happened before yeah, yeah yeah.
0: and of course we have an amazing uh, testimony coming up by a fellow by oh, the name Dr one. John Ashton one of the most uh, highly educated people in the country and a devout believer in Jesus Christ and he's going to give his testimony and share some of his reasons as to why he serves Jesus Christ
1: mm, you should get a pen and paper ready because he's got some great books that he wrote as well
0: more great programming coming up stay tuned
1: this is Amazing Grace by Jordan Labick <laughs>
2: Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a rest like me I once was lost, but now Just it.
0: Jaden Lovick, amazing grace here on Faith FM. And Monica, what are we going to be talking about today? Mm,
1: well, first of all, let me hit you with the quiz. Oh, we going to talk about the quiz? Yes. Yeah, so I have a what am I question for um, you today. Man, I'm really hoping that we can stump Lyle sometime, either with one of these quizzes, or if you think you can stump Lyle, please call me up. Okay. So the first clue is yes. if I said... Because I am not an I, I do not belong to the body, I would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. I'm stumped. Yes! (laughs) Yes
0: <laughs> I Woo! have a I have a rough idea, but I could not answer that one with certainty <laughs>
1: yet. I'm so pleased. <laughs> if you think you know the answer, give us a call. That's a really hard question. Yes, I'm so what pleased is it about with this. That? <laughs> give us a call one eight hundred Faith FM or you can text us on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Even jump on our Facebook, Faith FM Australia, and just message us on our wall. And if you can get that right, we're gonna send you a copy of 10 days prayers and devotions it's a wonderful book um completely free of charge uh prayers and devotions to experience the baptism of the holy spirit it's written by dennis smith wonderful book can personally testify to that
0: so did you did you come up with a Is that your quiz question? No. or Did somebody call it in?
1: No, come on, now, it's too early for me to be coming up with quiz questions. You know that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so someone called it in.
1: No, I, I pulled it out of a um, out of our out of our stack of uh, oh, okay. quiz questions. Uh, yeah. Right. But I thought it was going to be easy because I looked at the answer and I was like, that's an easy answer. But then I looked at the quiz, the, um, the clue, and I was like, oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm tossing up between, yeah, three you different are, options right here. Yeah,
1: you're going to kick yourself when you find out. No, I easy, am. I'm <laughs> going to
0: absolutely kick myself. I know it. Uh,
1: uh, by the uh, way, if you do have a quiz uh, question that you can stump Lyle with, also give us a call on 1-800-FAITH-FM and uh, I'm going to send you two prizes if you can stump Lyle.
0: <laughs> yeah, you well,
1: But I do have some good say, news for you today, if Lyle. if that had
0: been your question, then... You could have got, given yourself two prizes <laughs> yeah. today.
1: It's cool. I like sharing the prizes.
0: <laughs> okay. What have we got today?
1: I actually have, uh, finally, some good news from China. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know whether or not you could call the, the, the current new stuff. That's I think there's out. actually
0: a lot of good news in China.
1: Yeah, but I mean, at we the should moment. Not hear it all the time? Yeah, the whole the Xi Jinping becoming like their ruler supreme kind of thing is a bit scary, you have to admit. Yeah, I and I don't know that that's good news. I certainly not, not putting it in the good news pile. Um, but we do have some good news coming from China. So, Lyle, you know how sometimes when you're walking around Australia and you do see our uh, brothers and sisters from China walking around wearing masks on their yeah, face? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Have you ever wondered why they're doing
0: that? Well, I guess they come from a culture where there is a lot of pollution and so they become very, very sensitive to it. Yeah. I've never actually stopped to ask someone why they wear that. Mm -hmm. I I know lots of Chinese people. All the Chinese people I know don't wear them.
1: Oh, okay. All right. I mean, I I don't know if I've ever... Yeah, I don't know the Chinese people that I know wear them either, but I do see them a lot, like, in the city. Yeah, yeah. And I, I have to admit, I do kind of roll my eyes a little bit go, come on, let's not be so paranoid. But it turns out they do wear them with good reason. So China is actually the world's biggest air polluter, um, to this, and it really affects life expectancy. Like, I'm not even thinking, like, at least five years shaved off your life because of how much air pollution there is in China.
0: I think uh, I heard some stats recently that, like... Uh you know, 350,000 people a year die from air pollution mm. in China.
1: And it's terrible. It causes all kinds of things, heart disease, stroke, lung ailments like emphysema and cancer. It's actually a really big problem. And um, so a lot of people do wear air, air, the little face masks and they have like the air purifiers that they use throughout the day. And um, so it is a real, it's a real issue. And learning about this has made me a bit more um I want to say not so much lenient, but people but are understanding towards when they come here our cities and they think they have to wear the face masks as well.
0: Well, you know, if you've become, if you've if you grown up in that kind of an mm. environment, you're probably oversensitive to any kind of pollution. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so
0: you'd have to wear it here as well.
1: So it's actually quite understandable. But uh, in 2014, uh, the government actually just de- de- declared a war on air pollution. And would you believe, massive success, like wow. success like up to four times faster than that of other countries like for example the US now this is an
0: interesting one because what I keep hearing is that everything we do to solve our air pollution here in Australia like getting rid of coal-fired gas and going to renewables and so forth isn't going to even create a slightest dent on the air pollution in the world because of pretty much China and India you're too big um, uh, industrial nations that are producing massive amounts of pollution mm, yeah. with unregulated pollution.
1: Well, I mean, China, I guess, looking at the way they've done it, they haven't necessarily – they've kind of just moved the problem away from where the people are. So, they're still creating air pollution, but they've moved it out of the city centres. For like, So, for example, in Beijing, right um, – They've reduced it 32% in just four years. In four years, Lyle. Um, So, the life expectancy has now increased by 4.5 years. Um, And what they did was they actually just... Thousands of polluting factories were, like, forced to leave urban areas. Um, And then they also... (laughs) It's kind of a, a double-edged sword in some ways. Yeah, way. I'm wondering because, because now you've got commuting Yeah, so you issues, know they've displaced thousands of immigrant workers. They do have kind of like an issue there now, but, you
0: know. So, what the issue of uh, um, commuting people and obviously driving cars then just raise that pollution back up again? I'm
1: not, I'm sure the extent of like how the displacement has affected the communities whether or not the people have moved whether or not the people just have lost their jobs and have to find new jobs or, or how they've done it. But they've removed just thousands of these factories Mm. and the other things that they've done is they've designated no coal zones Um, so they've more than three million households so not Factories, or anything but households. Uh, they had to very abruptly switch over to gas or electric heating. Um, they often removed the coal boilers before even the new systems were functional, which also created a bit of a bit of a kerfuffle because there were some schools where the pupils were suffering frostbite because they were so cold. They actually were having school outside because sometimes the winter sun was warmer than the really freezing cold classrooms.
0: The things you can do in a totalitarian I society. I know that's what I was thinking. It would right? take us forty years to accomplish this. In I the know- no. He's like, yeah, we're commoners. We'll just do this. Like, done. Problem solved
1: yeah 30 percent
0: increase decrease in pollution four and a half years increase in life expectancy mm-hmm. all accomplished in a four-year period yeah but no now students
1: have frostbite and no one has a job but <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it did really work because I mean if you look at the stats their air pollution it's it's something called PM 2.5 and the level of that that is what we really need to monitor so um, 270 micrograms per cubic meter is like the max mm-hmm. uh, as designated by the World Health Organization
0: 270 17.
1: 70. And China is more than 10 times that amount. Oh. Yeah. So, if you are thinking wow. of going there on holiday, it's getting better, but I, I would definitely wear a mask there now, too. Mm. So, yeah. So, so, it's actually some good news coming out of China with That's their fantastic. air pollution. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. A bit of a mess they have to clean up with the issues, you know, from having done it so fast. But I say good on them because I think oh. we often get quite-
0: And this is the thing we need. We need to encourage um, these, these, these big industrial mm. uh, centers that you have in China and- you know, obviously developing in India, uh, where there is no regulation on pollution, it is just fantastic to see these a country like this and a country of this size and the resources that China has to be able to solve these problems uh, is amazing. So, yeah. I do have
1: a, a bit of a question for you, but maybe a bit of a controversial question, Lyle. Mm-hmm. You know how everything in Australia and a lot of countries these days is made in China or made mm-hmm. in India? Mm-hmm. Do you think because we go over there and get them to make our stuff for us on the cheap that it adds to the problem of mm-hmm. the fact that they're having, you know, factories in their urban centres? Mm-hmm. Okay, you do agree. Yeah. So we are kind of part of the problem.
0: We right? are part of the problem. It's one of those. It's one of those problems that goes round and round and round in circles because we stop buying them their goods, of course. And uh, there's lots of people that live on the on the you know particularly in India who live on the verge of poverty. And if we stop buying their stuff, then there's the possibility that people could starve. So mm-hmm. you know, it's it's one of those. You've got slave labor happening. You've got all kinds of terrible things happening. And sometimes the alternatives are actually worse.
1: Yeah. Do you know, I, I, I think about this all the time and I I wonder how to solve the problem. And I just, in the end, all I think about is come Lord Jesus, come. Absolutely. I don't know how to fix
0: it. Okay, real quick. I wanted yeah. to hear about your street shop thing. Oh whenever. yeah. So
1: there's a worldwide initiative going on and it's so amazing. So instead of just, you know, uh, trying to figure out how to donate your clothes to the homeless, a lot of uh, cities now are just inviting you to hang them on the street. So they have these posters that says the street store and it has a slot down the bottom and you just hang your clothes out in the open. And homeless people are welcome to just come along and help themselves and stay warm in the winter. And we are heading towards winter and apparently it's going to be quite a frosty one.
0: Yes, they're really really struggling with that down in Hobart right now yeah. in preparation for winter with the homeless community down there. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, um, in verse 43, And this is God speaking. And God says, well, verse 42, For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever do this? And Jesus says, When you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me.
1: One oh. well, something to think about as we go into winter, if you have some clothes, maybe you can donate them. Just hang knowing them on the my
3: heart's cry for freedom Longing to flood your love into the pain of emptiness. To open my eyes to unquenchable love That gave everything for my freedom Even my Savior's blood He is wonderful No one is like Him His love Cover myself in vain You came to me with your own white garment You came to me by your sacrifice He. dark depths of despair love lifted me what
0: That was Melissa Roddo. He is wonderful here on Faith FM. And you know what? What? Well, we have just um, learned some new information about mm. face masks. Oh, yeah? Because the amazing Martushka, who is our producer here, was just informing, because she's the expert on all things Asian culture, uh-huh. that this is actually a politeness Mm-hmm. So if you've got uh if you if you're sick. a little bit unwell you, yeah. you you wear a face mask to uh stop other people from getting sick. Uh-huh. And becoming a bit of a fashion statement in some fashion- places. That's
1: that would explain why I've seen like Korean pop stars or K-pop as they call it wearing face masks and I'm yeah. like well, do they really need to wear that on stage? But I guess
0: So there's a, there's a whole lot more to it yeah, than just uh, that's, becoming that's a that's
1: fashionable yeah. accessory. Maybe yeah. we should get some while. <laughs>
0: Yeah, maybe not.
1: (laughs) You don't think it'll suit you?
0: (laughs) I have one. I have some in my workshop if you would like. (laughs) That's
1: a hard pass for me. Thanks. (laughs) Let me give you another clue for the quiz, Lyle. Okay. As soon as I've stumped you. Okay. This is a what am I quiz. I'll give you the first clue again. If I said, because I am not an I, I do not belong to the body, I would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And clue two is, when Moses, Aaron, Moses, uh, thumb, toe, mm. when Moses ordained Aaron, he took the blood of a ram and put it on Aaron's thumb, toe, and this. When Moses ordained Aaron, he took the blood of a ram and put it on Aaron's thumb, toe, and this. What am oh my, I? This
0: one is so <laughs> hard.
1: If you think you know the answer, 1 800 Faith FM. That's 1 800 324 843. Text me 0491 064 669 or jump on our phone. Uh, Facebook, which is Faith FM Australia, and we will send you a prize.
0: Yeah, see if you can get it quicker than I can. Yes. Okay. All right. Where are we up to? We are talking about uh, the su- tr- the Supreme Truth Cult. The Supreme Truth Cult. Yes, the Supreme Truth Cult is a Japanese cult, um, otherwise known as Ayam Shinrikyo, which I probably pronounced wrong, uh, but it simply means Supreme Truth. So I'm going to run with Supreme Truth because I can... Uh, Pronounce that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a doomsday cult, and it was the cult that was responsible for the sarin gas attack back in 1995 in the Japanese subway.
1: Wait, wait, wait a second. When you said supreme truth, I'm like, that sounds good. I like supreme truth. But when you said cult, you lost me there. When you said doomsday cult, I now have a question. Okay. What's a doomsday cult?
0: A doomsday cult is a cult that believes in the destruction of the world, the end of the world, basically, and massive destruction at the end of time.
1: Okay. Yeah. Does. Hang on a second. Doesn't that make us doomsday? <laughs> like, I mean, I believe in the second coming of Christ, right? Yes. And I believe the earth will be made new, uh,
0: I, which exactly takes
1: a bit of destroying to get there. Yes. So, okay, so there's a
0: difference. You see, Jesus said, when, when Jesus talked about the end of the world, Jesus said it would be like birth pains okay nobody looks at the birth of a child as being oh doomsdays coming up you know I've got a friend who's I've got a friend who is due I think this Saturday-huh it's not and it's not like oh no it's doomsday you know the whole family is hanging out in anticipation the mother is a little nervous it's her first child uh-huh and I don't think she's looking forward too much to the pain that she's going to uh, experience but it's You're going through pain to a blessed event.
3: Yeah,
1: it's more like a a, a creation of life rather than This is where the
0: Bible is different from every other end time religion that is out there because the Bible predicts hope. For the end of the world. Every other religion predicts doom for the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And this one in particular, uh, the reason it's in the news is that there are seven members of the sarin gas attack that took place in 1995 that have been, uh, their, their, their um, incarceration location has been changed and it's suspected for the purpose of execution.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Wait, this is ja- Japan? Yes. So they have capital punishment? Yes. Okay.
0: By hanging, interestingly.
1: Oh, wow, that's kind of old school.
0: Now, what's, what's, what's most fascinating about this is that we often hear about, you know, different cults and so forth, and when this one popped up, I'm like, yeah, I remember that happening back in 1995, and it's sort of I was like, now, wait a minute, what kind of a cult was that? And of course, they have an Australian connection.
1: Really? Yes. No.
0: Western Ast- a Western Australian oh,
1: connection. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's
0: your home state.
1: Yeah, it's, my, it's where I was born and raised.
0: Okay, because they owned a, or, um, a remote property in Western Australia where mm-hmm. they tested all of their uh, weapons of mass destruction before they tried them out in the subway in Japan.
1: So basically, that's where they cooked the mum.
0: Yeah. Wait, is this different like to anthrax? Yes. Okay. Same category, mm-hmm. so it's a it's a chemical weapon of mass destruction, uh but it's yeah, it's just a different. So they
1: one. they cooked them up in in Western Australia in remote Western Australia mm-hmm. and then somehow got them over to Japan where they used them. That's what happened. Oh, mercy.
0: Anyway, they were founded by a man or by a man by the name of Shizuo Matsumoto uh back in the 1980s and they are, are a syncretic cult. Uh, they combine together Indian Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, Hinduism, Shiva is their supreme god, uh, the, the book of Revelation from the Bible, yoga, and the teachings of Nostradamus. Their leader claims that he is Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away sin. And of course, one of the ways that they take away sin is by killing other people to stop them from accumulating bad karma. What? What? So, this is some of the teachings of. uh, That sounds like the most. And so, this is what, of course, you know, was part, you know, something to do with the reason behind the sarin gas attack. One of the big reasons behind the sarin gas attack is that they believe that uh, the end of the world will take take place as a result of a nuclear war in which the United States will attack Japan again.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm hmm
0: and that there will only be a very small group of people who survive, who are members of this cult, who will then be able to uh, repopulate the world.
1: Of, from this cult, they yeah. they're going to repopulate the entire world. Mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, all those mishmash of beliefs that all rolled into one, it's, it's quite, the, quite the eclectic stew there, but... um
0: it's yes, religious stew. I yeah. like. I, I like that.
1: Can you can you just explain to me at what point does a religion cross over and become a cult?
0: Yeah, and there's a f- number of different definitions for a cult. Basically, uh, you've got to have an extra biblical source of authority to move from, say, Christianity to cult. So, if we're looking at um, Christian cults, mm-hmm. and you have some religions that are Christian in nature but are actually cults, and it really comes back to that uh, that extra biblical. Source of authority, supreme mm-hmm. authority. Mm-hmm. So you know, and, and this is this is obviously not a Christian cult. It's just borrowed elements from Christianity. To uh, yeah,
1: does the Bible say anything about cults?
0: Okay, so the Bible says this: Matthew chapter twenty-four. Jesus is predicting what it will be like in the world just before he returns, and his disciples have asked him, you know, what's it going to be like just before. Uh, you come back. Mm-hmm. And he says, he starts out by saying, watch out that no one deceives you. That's in verse Matthew 24, verse 4. In verse 5, many will come in my name saying, I am Christ and will deceive many, such as this particular uh, individual right here who has claimed to be Christ and the Lamb of God, etc., who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, a little bit further on, Jesus says, watch out because many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many, such as the individual we're talking about. Then it continues on and you go down to verse Uh, Well, Let's start in verse 23. Then if anyone shall say unto you, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. So that's quite plain. And and there's a great passage of Scripture because people simply followed this right here. They would not be led away by this kind of... Deception. I was
1: about to ask you, how do we safeguard from becoming involved in cults? I mean, we all like to think it would never happen to us, but clearly it happens to some people, so yeah, this is really and, and great this advice. Is, this, is
0: a, this is a man who probably started off quite innocently with a, um, you know, a yoga group in his, in his living room.
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound dangerous at all.
0: And, and people go along there, they get exercise and relaxation and so forth, and it grew from there because he found that he had influence over these people and the more influence he had, created a study group, created a religion, created a following, and away it goes. Uh, it continues on here in verse twenty-four. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and will show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it was possible, they shall deceive the most righteous. Behold, I've told you before. Wherefore, if they say to you, "Here's in the desert," don't go there. Well, here's in the secret chamber. Believe it not. Now, what I want you to notice here, Mon, is that in the space of about say twenty verses, four times Jesus has repeated himself. Mm -hmm. This is a really serious warning that Jesus is giving and he repeats himself over and over and over and over again and he's saying, don't become involved in these kind of things. If people turn up and say, I'm Christ, I'm a great religious leader, don't go there because you are in great danger of being deceived. And if people follow this passage, this doomsday cult would never existed and those people would have never died.
1: If only they had followed the word of God Lyle thank you for sharing that We are now going to have a quick song break And then we'll be back with our guest interview With a brother John Ashton We're looking forward to hearing his story this morning Now we're listening to Malvinas And Shall We Gather at the River
0: You are listening to Malvinus. Shall We Get There at the River? And Monica, guess what? I am super excited. Is it because you
1: figured out the quiz?
0: No, I haven't figured it out yet.
1: <laughs> Why are you excited? <laughs>
0: because I have somebody on the phone that I have known, I think, since I can just about remember.
1: Oh, can I hit them with a quiz clue before we go talk to them? Uh, yeah, you can hit them with a quiz clue. <laughs> okay, what am I? Clue number three. And all was pushed through this to keep a slave. Well, there you
0: go. If you know the answer, one eight hundred three two four eight four three, 324 843 or text us on 491 64 or simply send us a message to our Facebook page. Dr. John Ashton, are you
5: there? Oh, yes. Hello,
0: you? Welcome to the show, John. It, uh, it's a real privilege to have you on today's show. And I'm just sort of thinking, I, I don't know, remember when I first met you, but I would have probably been about maybe, what, two or
5: three? Uh, yes, you were walking. Okay.
0: <laughs> wow. <laughs> you, you, you remember this a little bit better than yeah. I do then. Uh,
5: maybe a little bit, yeah, three or four, somewhere around there
0: and uh, And, just fill us in there. whereabouts whereabouts was that that we would have first met?
5: Ah, uh, well, that was when your folks uh, moved down to Tasmania, right. uh, and uh, my wife and I were already down there. and um, yeah, we had uh, children about uh, the age of uh, yourself and uh, your brother, and we became really good friends with your mum and dad. and had similar lifestyle and similar interests in uh, boating and growing veggies and. Bushwalking, these sort of things. So yeah, it was great.
0: And, and of course, Tasmania a, a, a great place to do all of those things.
1: Oh come on, turning oh, oh, into yes, a plug for Tasmania. Now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, for all of our Tasmanians who know there, who know where this is, this of course was in Glen Hewan, in the Upper Huon Valley. So it was uh, yeah, a beautiful part of the world. Now, John, l- just just fill us in a little bit more on uh, on your background and where you come from, and uh, you know maybe some of the story previous to that. Whereabouts, whereabouts did you come from? Were you, were you always in Tasmania?
5: No, I was born in, in Newcastle here. And I, um, when my, I was about eight, my uh, parents built a, a new home at Warners Bay. Um, and we moved there the end of 1955. But um, in 1961, my dad died uh, suddenly and unexpectedly of a, a heart attack. And that was a major turning point in my life, and I always remember that day. It was the the first of March mm. um, in nineteen sixty one. How and old I How was, old were you then? I was thirteen. Thirteen, and um, about to turn fourteen in, in a month or so. And um, yeah, that was a significant time. I remember my mum. Uh, well, I knew my dad had gone into the hospital the day before. Um, and I had to, uh, uh, um, I can remember early in the morning, my mum coming in um, about five o'clock in the morning, kneeling by my bed and saying, Dad died last night. Mm-hmm. And um, it was sort of an experience of wrenching, like something pulled apart from me and um, and I knew my life would change forever. But in a way, it changed in a positive way, although... Yeah, my my parents, um, we were just nominally Christians, nominally Methodists. We ticked the box. Um, my mum often talked about, you know, praying to God. She was confirmed Church of England. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my dad was a, a bit anti-religious, really. As a matter of fact, I remember him saying, oh, these folk, if they really followed the Bible, they'd, you know, go to church on Saturday. So oh,
4: it was wow. interesting
5: he said that. But we had, um, uh, so An Adventist uh, family uh, Doug Easthope and his wife, Dr Easthope, And mm-hmm. his wife lived not far away And they'd heard that this young family had suddenly lost their dad And they came around and visited us And, and left the book Your Bible and You mm-hmm. um, Which I enjoyed looking through And I guess that was a, a start in a new direction in in my life, yeah, um, the book uh, just 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 if I jump
0: in there from it, the book Your Bible and You. That was I seem to remember that from when I was a kid, a series of Bible studies. Is that
5: right? No, no, no. It was a book about the Bible. Okay, and it uh, was written um, by Arthur Maxwell.
0: Ah, oh, yes, it uh, and it
5: had had pictures and it had different sections. It had like sections how we got the Bible, uh, prophecies in the Bible. Um, as stories of answers to prayer um, Like during the Second World War and this sort of thing mm. um, So it was, it was a very interesting book um, And it made um, A sort of God real it, it pointed out, provided the evidence that There really was a God and God was real And, and God was an intervening God And then it talked about Jesus, our Saviour as well But I guess from a boy's point of view It had pictures
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we read better when there's pictures to mm-hmm. read
5: Yeah, so I, mean, I started um, Pardon me, I was um, a straight A student at school That was a gift that I had And um, I won a Commonwealth Scholarship and a BHP Scholarship um, But because my mother was a a widow, uh, we couldn't really afford for me to go full-time. But BHP had a system where you worked two years part-time, and if you did well in your studies, they then paid for you to go through uni on uh, like a wage rather than just a scholarship allowance, Mm. and so I did that. But the guy that I was appointed to work for at the BHP Research Sobiotories, Dr Neil Gray, was a Christian. And his life and demeanor was very different to that of many of the other scientists. Um, He was a really uh, lovely person. He smiled a lot. He was a very fastidious scientist, a real perfectionist, and I was his personal assistant. And he he used to witness to me, and he loaned me the book Near Christianity to read Mm -hmm. and used to talk about, uh, again, he was an Anglican, but talked about how he would never... Uh, study on Sundays he always kept uh, Sunday Um, and even doing that he still um, topped the University of Adelaide and was the university medalist in engineering so um, all these little bits added to uh, my uh, journey I guess and when I I finished uni um, so my name is on the honour roll here in the chemistry building. I topped chemistry at Newcastle Union in mm. But when I finished there, I sort of began to think, well, where to now? And one of the questions asked is there, you know, is there a God? And I talked to my mum about that, and she said, uh, and I said to her, I said, how do you, how do you find out about God? And she said, well, you go to church, and there was little Methodist. Church around the corner from where we lived And uh, I went there and I heard the gospel preached The the pastor made A a, preached a sermon, I can't remember The sermon but he asked for people to come Forward who want to accept Jesus as their Saviour and I knew I needed To do that, I knew that um, You know I was a sinner And but I wanted To be right with God but I didn't really Know what it meant and So when I went home, I asked my mum, how can I find out more about what the Bible says? And she suggested, well, why don't you go up to the Seventh-day Adventist church to have a Bible study up there? And so I rang up Mr. East Hope. This would have been in uh, 1970, so nine years later.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, how long of a gap was that? So that's nine years, and you still had his contact details.
5: Oh, well, yes. Well, I mean, he was a a dentist. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pretty easy to track down. Sure. The local. Had you had
0: you kept in contact sorry, for in that intervening period?
5: Uh, earlier on, when I was at high school, yes. But after that, uh, not not so much. I oh. was full time at uni. Yeah. My mum had gone up to the church a couple of times after they helped us. Um, you know, I guess out of, you know, payback sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I did remember though was when I moved into uh, the the final two years of high school, and back then it was only five years, so this would have been year four, I was majoring in science subjects and I did maths honours and physics honours. And um, somehow I guess my mum had told him that I was doing these subjects. Anyway, he asked, I left a message for me to come in and see him at his um, clinic I went in after school and I had to wait till he finished his patient. So we're in uh, in Newcastle, his clinic was. And uh, afterwards he called me into the back room and he said, "Uh, I'd like to give you this. And he handed me a hemi slide rule. Now, this was how you did calculations back in those days. There were no (laughs) calculators. And um, most of the students had a round slide rule which meant that the inner scales weren't as accurate. So the Hemi was a long slide ruler, like a sliding ruler, but they were really expensive. And he said, I'd like you to have this. And so I had one of the best ones in my class. Oh, wow. And to me, that was so special. It was sort of like, you know, somebody giving you an expensive iPad now. Sure. And no strings attached. I just, you know, he just heard... If you're doing science, you're going to need a slide rule. Yeah. And uh, I thought that that was pretty cool. I've never forgotten. As a matter of fact, I still have it. Oh, wow. Mm.
1: Can I just interrupt and ask? So you studied some sort of science and you've become some sort of a doctor. What what exactly is your, your field, your profession?
5: I'm an industrial chemist. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Now, just coming back to... Um, well, I originally trained as a physicist, but that meant most of the physicists were ending up computer programmers, so mm. I didn't enjoy that, and so I liked the more experimental stuff, so I moved into chemistry. Mm. Sure.
0: The Bible studies that you did with uh, um, the Adventist Church, you, you called Doug East Hope. Where did, where, what, where, where did that take you on your journey?
5: Well, I, I started going up to the church, and... Um, there at Bullaroo And um, I, After that I prayed my my first prayer What What happened one day I noticed that a, a scholarship um, Was advertised at the University of Tasmania To do a doctorate And it was the highest paying chemistry scholarship in Australia The Toxide Research Fellowship And I prayed my first prayer I prayed God If I win that scholarship I'll buy a Bible and I'll start keeping Sabbath And mm. I won that scholarship, and I remember I I packed all my things. I had a 1949 Cadillac convertible at the time, one of two in Australia. Nice. And I um, packed my rock collection and uh, my books (laughs) into the back and said goodbye to my mum and drove down to Tasmania, caught the ferry across. And the next day after arriving in Tasmania, I went into Fuller's Bookshop and bought a Bible. Uh, It was a New English Bible. That was August 1970, and it had just come out. And the next, I went and bought a paper the next Saturday and found out where the Seventh-day Adventist church was and, and went to the church, which was the Hobart church. Mm. And that's when I started keeping Sabbath. And then uh, a little later, uh, and I started reading the Bible, systematically reading through it and checking the prophecies. So being a scientist type, if I came to a prophecy, I would look it up in the in encyclopedia or history uh, books at the library and check it out and I made notes on these and then one of the elders in the church at Glen said John you should do some Bible studies and I did um, the Bible study course that was about 20 lessons I think
4: mm-hmm.
5: um, uh, with him and then I was baptised in December 1971.
0: Fantastic. Which, of course, is why you ended up in Glen in Tasmania, where we met when I was just a little tacker. In the last two minutes, very quickly, what have you been able to do for God since then?
5: Yes, well, I felt called to write in the area of evidence for creation. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people used to ask me, because I was studying science, you know, do you believe in evolution or creation? And so I did a lot of research in that and um to look at the evidence for creation. Of course I've put out a number of books in that area. Uh the best known one is In Six Days, Why Fifty Scientists Choose to Believe in Creation and the other day that was still the number nine seller in the area of creation on Amazon in the US and that book came out in nineteen ninety nine, so nearly oh, wow. twenty years. And, the Lord. and then my recent book is um Evolution Impossible, 12 Reasons Why uh, Evolution Can I Explain the Origin of Life on Earth and that has over 80 reviews at the moment on Amazon. And The other areas I've been passionate about uh, is the area of uh, alcohol damage and the damage it does to society. So I studied the, um, the, the, the chemical evidence that uh, alcohol is really very bad for us and published that in a book called Uncooked, The Hidden Hazards of Alcohol. Uh, and I've written other books on um, on health And uh, and also with David Down on archaeology On the evidence that Egyptian history Confirms the, the biblical history mm-hmm. so The Bible's history as well So very interesting apologetics And the evidence we have that The Bible is true and certainly the Word of God mm. And That's- I'm working on a biography at the moment Of just answers to prayer in my own life I've had so many answers to prayer And I think there's a real need to demonstrate to young people that God is real.
0: Yeah, there is absolutely, John. That's that's amazing. That's fantastic. And um, I just want to say it's it's so encouraging to have a highly educated person like yourself putting out this kind of material. We're going to have to take a break. And this is Chris Rice, Before the Throne of God Above. Before
6: the throne of God above, I have a strong and in- High Priest whose name is love Whoever lives and pleads for me My name is graven on his hands My name is written on his heart I know that while in heaven he stands No tongue can bid When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of my guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior. Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and Unchangeable I am The King of glory and of grace One with Himself I cannot die My soul is purchased by His blood My life is hid with Christ on high With Christ my Savior and my God here with Christ on high with Christ my savior and my God
1: you're listening to faith FM